composers deserve the same lavish treatment that is given to canonical masters, a conviction that led to my first book, The Rest is Noise, Listening to the 20th Century. I've also periodically detoured into pop and rock, although having grown up in classical music, I feel unsure of my footing outside it. In all, I approach music not as a self-sufficient sphere, but as a way of knowing the world. Listen to This combines various New Yorker articles, several of them substantially revised, with one long piece written for the occasion. The book begins with three aerial surveys of the musical landscape, encompassing both classical and pop terrain. The first chapter, from which the title comes, began as a preface to The Rest is Noise, although I soon realized that it had to be a freestanding essay. It is a kind of memoir-turned-manifesto, and when it was published, it elicited an unexpectedly strong response from readers, with hundreds of letters and emails arriving over several months. Many of these messages came from music students and recent conservatory graduates who were struggling to reconcile the grand tradition in which they had been schooled with the pop culture in which they had come of age. The intense frustration that they and I feel in the face of the pince-nez stereotype of classical music runs throughout the book. The second chapter, Chacona Lamento Walking Blues, is the new thing, a whirlwind history of music told through two or three recurring bass lines. Infernal Machines brings together various thoughts on the intersection of music and technology. With a rough map in place, I follow the traces of a dozen or so musicians living and dead, Composers, conductors, pianists, string quartets, rock bands, singer-songwriters, high school band teachers. In the final section, I try in a more personal way to describe three radically different figures, Bob Dylan, Lorraine Hunt-Lieberson, and Johannes Brahms, who touch on things almost too deep for words. My last book unfolded on a big historical canvas, with political forces constantly threatening to overwhelm the solitary voice. This book is more intimate, more local, revisiting many times the abiding question of what music means to its creators and its listeners on the most elemental level. Above all, I want to know how a powerful personality can imprint itself on an inherently abstract medium, how a brief sequence of notes or chords can take on the recognizable quirks of a person close at hand. Maybe the only trait these musically possessed men and women have in common is that they are unlike one another or anyone else. Many are exiles, wanderers, restless searchers. A shy avant-garde Finn becomes a Los Angeles celebrity. An Icelandic singer dances her way through the streets of Salvador, Brazil. A Japanese pianist interprets the German repertory in the foothills of Vermont. An elder of rock and roll meanders across the land, deconstructing his hits. A great German composer traverses an inner landscape ravaged by sadness. One way or another, they unsettle whatever genre they inhabit, making the familiar strange. The great Soviet encyclopedia, in one of its saner moments, defined music as a specific variant of the sound made by people. The difficult thing about music writing, in the end, is not to describe a sound, but to describe a human being. It's tricky work, presumptuous in the case of the living, 
and speculative in the case of the dead. Still, I hope to give a few lingering glimpses of all those sensuous selves. Where to Listen If you would like to hear some of the music discussed in these pages, a free audio companion is available at www.therestisnoise.com slash listen to this. There you will find streaming samples arranged by chapter, along with links to audio-rich websites and other channels of direct access to the music. An iTunes playlist of representative excerpts can be found at www.therestisnoise.com slash playlist. For a glossary of musical terms, go to www.therestisnoise.com slash glossary. Part 1 Chapter 1